England have a um, have a great chance, and I'm really scared. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. We're just days away, people. The fans are excited, the press are excited, the nation is excited. It's the only thing that people are talking about in the cafes, over the water coolers, in beds and in bars. This Friday, the eyes of the world are on Paris. And this Friday, the eyes of the world are on the Adele concert at the Accor Hotels Arena. Here to give their views on that and any other events that might be kicking off in Paris this Friday is Paddy Higgs. Hello. Kasper Schmick. Hello. And for the very first time in the brief history of One Football Podcast, we have our first guest in studio, and it's Stefan Busco from The Yellow Wall. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me. How do you feel about being our first guest? I'm humbled and honoured. That's nice to hear. And how do you feel about Adele's music? Um, indifferent. Really? Just indifferent? <laughs> yeah, never really hear it. I'm sorry. But so you, you never heard that? It's it's all over the radio at the moment. Yeah, it is. And sometimes people play it when sad stuff happens, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. not me. No? no? Okay. How does anybody feel about Cher? <laughs> also indifferent. Yeah. <laughs> Can we go back to you talking about talking about football in bed? Is that pillow talk for you guys at the moment? Uh, no, but I'm sure some people talk about it in bed. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to tell you something interesting about Cher. Please, sorry to interrupt you. Cher has... I don't, <laughs> Share. I would like to share. Uh, she's got two butterfly tattoos on her ass. How do you know that? It's in that video for Turn Back Time. Is it Turn Back Time? I think that's the name of the song, Turn Back Time. So she's on this battleship and there's all these sailors jiving around and she's got this rather uh, tight so leotard, leotard thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's got some nice hosiery. Yeah. And you can, you know, the hosiery has got some holes in it, as as is the want. And you can see two very large butterfly tattoos on her ass. And you're sure that's not a temporary thing just for the video? I've never got the chance to ask her. Why are we just bringing... I mean, that song is old. Hmm. Is this just come out that someone spotted the tattoos? Actually, that's a great song. Sorry. (laughs) Um, No, I was just thinking about Cher earlier. Because I was thinking about my favourite person on Twitter. And I think Cher is one of my favourite people on Twitter. Don't follow her. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Right, well... We'll talk about that another time, maybe. Um, How about Euro 2016? Is everybody a fan of that then? Much more interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, Stefan Mm -hmm. and Casper, it's good that we have you here because we want to talk with Germany. We want to talk about Germany. Let's get started with that. And I've got a question that's been baffling a lot of us, or certainly me. How the hell did Lucas Podolski make it into the squad? Well, very good question. It's a question we've been asking ourselves for the past two tournaments, I guess. Um, Löw is one of those guys who sticks um, who sticks with um, certain people. Uh, I quite like that about him, but on the other hand, it also frustrates me on occasions. And with Podolski, I think, um, you know, he's a guy who's been around for more than 10 years now in the, in the national team. He's always in a good mood. Um, he, he holds the people, you know, the, the squad together. And I think in that sense, it makes... It makes a lot of sense to take him with them. Um, actually, now given that Royce is injured, um, I don't think we have enough cover on the wings um, because I don't I don't rate Podolski as a as a full player um, who could start a match um, and also coming off the bench would be able to make a difference. 
Yeah, I think Casper's uh, first point was good there. You look through that Germany squad, um, there's a lot of serious types, like Schweinsteiger, a lot of the leaders, you know, Neuer, very professional, very serious. Um, and having someone like Podolsky can can break that up at the right time. I think we saw uh, Löw took Kevin Grosskreutz to the 2014 World Cup and he didn't play a second from memory. Um, but the same sort of personality, same sort of, um, you know, attitude to have in, in, the, in the rooms. And I think that's why he likes having those sort of players. Yeah, but I think Podolsky got really upset that uh, he was called a mascot he by did. the journalists, basically. And I think you just call him, in a sense, the same thing. But, um, yeah, when you look at what Löw is doing, there must be the phrase somewhere, you don't pick the best players, but the best team. And uh, that's the only thing I can think of when I see Podolsky on the team, because, let's face it, he's not the best player Germany has, or not even the best in the, in the squad. You know, there are probably a couple of other players you could have chosen, even though none springs to my head, of course, now. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, Podolski, he can be a funny guy, but will he help Germany on the field? See, that's my question, because I think it, it maybe raises some questions about Lowe's judgment of his squad. That, I mean, this he could have had somebody better in than Podolsky. I mean, this is all about, you have to go in with a serious mentality. It's not just about going in with somebody who can put toothpaste on the doors and make the rest laugh. Mm. No, I think, I think yeah, to add on to that, um, he knows Podolsky. He's known Podolsky for a long time. Probably the, the main option, apart from Podolsky, with Royce out was probably uh, Julian Brandt and very untested, very untried. Uh, Louv knows what he gets with Podolsky. He knows that he can play him um, wide, um, up front, he could also in a pinch throw him forward, um, you know, central as well. So he's had a decent season at Galatasaray, let's not forget that either, which of course some people will sort of say, well, it's the Turkish League, but there's a lot of good players in that Turkish League. And I think uh, he's in form, he knows what he's going to get, Lerv, out of, out of uh, Podolski, and I think that's probably why he's picked him. Yeah, but what exactly is he getting out of Podolski? Germany will face a lot of teams that will, uh, yeah, line up very defensively and Podolski is a player who needs space, who needs to roam. You can't just send him into the half spaces and have a couple of dribbles. No, you sure. have to send him into space and uh, then he usually crosses. But where to cross only, you know, you can use that or utilize that if Gomez is in the middle to head in. But I don't want to have that when, uh, let's say, Mario Götz is playing in the false nine position. So how and when is the perfect situation to utilize Podolski and how often will that situation occur i don't think it'll happen that often but you look at the last maybe 15 minutes of a game 20 minutes of a game when things need to be changed up when there are some tired legs and when teams perhaps are starting to falter defensively that's probably the role that you'll see podolsky play how about the rest of the squad any quarrels there or has he has he got it right um i think i think um the squad is Is fine. Um, I mean, when I look at it, I see some weak points. I think the fullbacks are contentious. Um, um, I mean, at right back, I think we have some decent options, um, but I wouldn't. But none of them is a natural. Um, Who do you uh, see starting at right back? Um, I would start um, initially. I guess Mustafi, maybe. Um, I think he's had a had a decent season at Valencia, although as a centre back. Um, but um, yeah, he's turning into he's he's sort of turning into a really good player, I think. But um, as the um, as the tournament goes along, I think Hovedes will slot back into yeah. into right back, um, or maybe left back. 
um, just for his experience. Um, but similar to Schweinsteiger, Hoover just, just hasn't played for quite a while now. Um, so I think he needs a bit more time to settle in and maybe they can afford um, to field a slightly weaker side in the in the group stages, although obviously that's quite a risky, um, you know, undertaking. And the um, and on the wings, I think given that Royce is now out, um, I think Draxler or Schürrle are both not the most consistent options. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't even mention Podolski in the uh, in that contention because I don't think he could add anything um, well, to the side. So. Let's come back to let's come back to Draxler and Schürrle in a minute. But what about left back? Are we thinking Emre Chan? Is he the man to fill? No, in? Hector Hector will definitely be for me um, at left back for Germany. Yeah, one question, where the hell is Marcel Schmelzer? I mean, I know where he is on Ibiza right now, enjoying his vacation with Roman Weidenfeller. But, uh, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple of, I, I, couple of dudes. I, 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 I don't, I don't know about that, but... Uh, yeah, Marcel Schmelzer had a brilliant season, but uh, we just talked about Podolski and Löw being very loyal to a player, but he just can be the opposite. Yeah. You know, and Marcel Schmelzer, for me, surely has to be on there because he is a very consistent player. And let's face it, Marcel Schmelzer always had the kind of garbage games, you know, and most of the time Podolski in front of him, which is always bad for a left back <laughs> because... Podolski is like Ronaldo. He just doesn't track back or do anything defensively. Only that Podolski just doesn't have the offensive merits like Ronaldo, let's say. So as a Dortmund fan, I'm kind of a bit disappointed that Marcel Schmelzer isn't playing for the Euros. But on the other hand, I'm quite glad that he, you know, won't return tired or injured. So that's the silver lining here for me, at least. What about um, Draxler and Schürrle? It's really got to be Draxler, right? Yeah, I would I would assume so. I think uh, Löw likes that he is a little bit more of a, a complete player. Schürrle is very much a um, back-and-forth player. Um, played a, had a great um, impact as a sub during the 2014 World Cup, and I think he'll continue to be used in, in that way. So Draxler will start. Um, yeah, Schürrle is one of those guys in the national team. He performs differently than at club level. Um but um, as Paddy was saying, I, I agree that he's a perfect um, guy to sub in. Um, and Draxler ne needs to step up now. Um, Correct. Because he's been the big new talent in the, for the past four or five years now. Uh, so, And he really has the potential to, to destroy teams. Yeah, I mean, um, you saw it at the World Cup when he had um, like some short appearances. He played really well, but also for Wolfsburg when he was fit in the Champions League. Yeah, he, the Champions League, exactly. He did some really, really good stuff. So. Yeah, he was brilliant against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge when I just took them apart. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah he also played very well against Hungary in the friendly and uh, left a good impression, yeah. at least for me. So, um, yeah, I think... Summing up, we can say Rockstar is a player for the big games, but obviously that still remains to be seen. You know, come semi-finals, will Rockstar really play? Will Love trust him and whatnot? Who's Love going to trust up front then? Is it going to be Mario Gomez? Is it going to be Goethe as a false nine? Mario. Yeah, you're convinced, you're convinced about this? Yeah, I'm not sitting on the fence, fence there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's who you want to see? Yeah, definitely Mario. Why? Starting with a G, the last name too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, you're going for Gomez? No, I'm going for Götze actually. <laughs> oh, you're really going for Götze? Yeah, I mean, we can make the case that Götze might be more valuable on the position we just discussed, Draxler on the left side maybe, and then Özil on the 10 and Müller on the right. Um, but I don't know how much Gomez can give Germany. Um, 
So yeah, I I'm I'm more of a fan of these little players who can dribble in, in a half space and and uh, yeah have more of a chemistry, let's say, and build synergies in midfield and triangles and move around. Gomez is the typical yeah big player who can you know outmuscle a defender and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I like the nifty place, and I think Germany has it in them. But, uh, you know, they still have to show that. So on paper, I'm going for Götze, but, you know, it might just turn out the other way that I, I will change my mind r rather quickly. Don't you think, though, that Germany have enough options in those sort of small, nifty players who can get through? When you have like a packed defense, as you'd expect, say, somebody like the Ukraine to play, that Gomez provides another option if they can get balls in from out wide? Yeah, surely. And uh, Löw has to consider this because... Uh, If one thing is uh, valuable in breaking down tight defenses, and then it's flexibility, definitely. So um, if one thing doesn't work, you can still substitute, right? Yeah, I would, I would say that Löw will start with uh, with Gomez um, against Northern Ireland. Uh, no, it's uh, Ukraine first. Ukraine right? first, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he'll start with Gomez, and then if if he's not able to break it, break it down, I think Götze would be a good alternative. Um, with a different style of play, you know, to get to get through somehow. Any of the teams in the groups that Germany will be worried about? I mean, Poland have beaten them in qualification. Poland, definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah, Poland are a good side. I mean, there's a lot of players who are familiar to the German players as well. Um, obviously, Lewandowski is the obvious one. Um, but, you know, Bazikowski's there. And there's a couple of guys who have played, um, you know, um, Zielinski, I think, has been linked um, with, with German clubs and with English clubs in the last few weeks as well. Yeah, and I there's one, Lukas Piszczek. Yeah, Piszczek, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and guys who have played against, uh, you know, in, in the Europa League, in the Champions League, a lot of Polish guys who are at prominent clubs. So, I think the, the German national team will be wary of Poland in particular, um, but North the Ukraine... Are, And Northern Ireland? I was going to get to them in a okay, second, sorry. but yeah, I mean, we can fast forward as well. And I think they're, they're probably going to be the, the strugglers in this in this squad, yeah, in this in this group. Sorry, poor old Northern Ireland. Eh? Well, they're there; they should enjoy themselves. I mean, there's no pressure on them. Um, I think it's a good chance for them to to really learn where they are on the you know European stage and and have a bit of fun. And you, you never know. I mean, there's there's third places up for grabs in this tournament. So, well, I think they will. I think they'll finish ahead of the Ukraine. Well. Well, I watched Northern Ireland against Slovakia, was it? And it was a very stale nil-nil draw. Why? Because. <laughs> because I was working and, you know, I needed to distract myself from work, as you usually do, so I flicked it on. So, um, no, but, but in all fairness to Northern Ireland, um, I think, especially against Germany, it's going to be one of those games where you don't score early. It, it might as well pan out as a nil-nil or Germany will eat the counter-attack, you know. I, we, we've seen that in friendlies before. I mean, we always call Germany the Turniermannschaft, but, you know, Northern Ireland, I, I still think they, they can hurt Germany. You know, just just don't ask me to name a player because the window I watched it on was really, really small. Well, Roy Carroll still plays for them. That's always nice to see. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a tight group phase. Um I don't think Germany will be threatened much apart from Poland, but um, they will use the group phase to find their stride because right now they aren't ready to challenge for the title in that type of form they are in. But um, after the group phases, I think everything will have clicked into gear and you'll see a different Germany side. Okay, very quick question before we move on. How far can Germany go? Um, they can go all the way. 
Paddy? Absolutely, they're my tip for the win. Ooh. Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. Now, hey, listeners, if you thought it was exciting having one guest on the show, this next bit is about to blow your mind. We have another one. It's Nico Bass from Serie A Monomore. Welcome to the show, Nico. Bonjour. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Nico, what's the mood like in France at the moment? You know, in France uh, these days, uh, there are floods. Paris is underwater. Uh, Louvre is closed. Uh, there are strikes about uh, work, uh, workload. There are um, sweetening, sweetening. There are a lot of things. But uh, it's weird, but people are very confident in the team. They don't think uh, still uh, at Euro. I think it will start uh, the D-Day. I think it's a confident sentiment in France. They are not, there is no too, too much pressure on French and on the team, thanks to this... Uh, nice things and um, I feel good and Every, everybody feels good in France they're still confident without one Karim Benzema uh, you know Benzema we are talking uh, since uh, last year so he has a few legal problems in the moment <laughs> so uh, as Deschamps wants a very irreproachable team he decided to don't take him mm-hmm. and I think it's a good thing because it doesn't fit very well in the system, in Deschamps system uh, Giroud well, I don't like him. I think it's kind of goat, but <laughs> a good goat and tall goat uh, is good in in the twenty last meters to place heads, uh, volleys, and Benzema likes to come back to have the balls to dribble, and uh, he would not have fit very well in this team. So you would you would start with Giroud up front. I would start with Giroud in front, uh, of course. Not Griezmann. Griezmann on the left wing. And then Mar- and uh, Martial is the other one playing up front? In front, uh, on the right, it's uh, the only question of the team. It's uh, Payet, Kaoman or, or Martial. That's a nice choice. Yes. <laughs> Who would you go for? I would say Payet. Because I, his, well, he's got, he brings the brilliant free kicks. Yeah, and I think uh, Martial is better on the left side because he can come on uh, his uh, right foot on on score on the right on the right side does he can he do nice crosses I don't know and you will like crosses probably not what okay the, the, I mean the, the French attack is amazing and there's yeah. so much talent there but the French defense the French defense has uh, problems uh, Varane is out Zuma is out Laporte is out <laughs> Sako is out uh, Diarra uh, midfielder defender is out but I think if you look the starters, it's quite good. Uh, Evra is a consistent player. He has experience. Uh, Sanya, I don't like him very well, but he seems to have be to have improved this this year. Koscielny is the best uh, Premier League defender. You will tell me it's not very hard. Uh, but, uh, okay. <laughs> and Rami, uh, two times uh, Europa League winner. I think uh, he's correct. And Lloris is good. So, oh, Loris is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm a not, big uh, fan of Loris. Um, Nico, you uh, you sort of mentioned, touched on it before about uh, Deschamps wanting a, a united squad. Controversy is never far away from the French team at some major tournaments, and um, already we've seen with Benzema's court case, like you mentioned, also um, with uh, Cantona making some allegations yeah. uh, about Deschamps. But what do you what do you feel is the attitude of the squad? Do you think they are united, both in on the pitch and off the pitch? I think Deschamps is not a very good 
tactician, but mm-hmm. he's a great manager. Mm-hmm. And he will manage to have a team united and only focused on winning. Yeah. It's, it's the best for that. He know he knows how to have groups to make them motivated. And uh, there, there are no tension in the team or nobody talks about it. I think they're on the, on the follow of, uh, last World Cup. They show a very nice game. They lost uh, against Germany in a, while they were superior in the game. I think they are, they have no pressure. They are good. They can be very shining on the offensive side and, uh, can be the surprise. I think uh, one injury, especially, um, strikes me as quite important is, um, Diara, who's out because, He was important for Pogba and, and Matuidi to to basically be a bit more free in the in the center and and roam in midfield. Yeah. How do you, how is he going to be replaced? Uh, it's uh, N'Golo Kanté, which is going to play uh, in front of the defense with uh, Matuidi on the left and uh, Pogba on the right. I think this injury is a very good thing because Diara is was a top player at the beginning of the season, but since January, he is under his last, last games, he's not very good, and uh, Angulo Kante is so great. Uh, even if it's not his good post, just in front of the defense, he will do the job, and uh, Matuidi and Pogba will be free to, to dribble, to remove the ball. So uh, The rest of the group is Albania, Romania, and Switzerland. Are France worried about them? No problem. Uh, Albania and Romania is weak, we can say it. And Switzerland, we beat them 6-2 in last World Cup. Uh, they are may, maybe good players, but I don't feel them uh, with a good chemistry, consistent. I think they... I don't want to be too much confident, but I think they, they will, we will beat them easily. And do you think that France will win it? I think uh, semi-finals or final is accessible. And uh, it's in France. Uh, people want to have some good news. Uh, squad is united. I think they can win. Casper, you think France can win it? I think France can win it, but I don't think they will because I I don't rate their fullbacks. I think Evra and Sanya are too slow and um, will be found out by fast wingers and the centre-backs are also not good enough. So I think... If they come up against a, a really good strike force, um, they will they will be found out. France are my favourites until they did suffer these injuries, particularly the ones in defence. Um, but I still think they're a, they will definitely get to the semis, and and uh, I think they're they're going to be a hard team to beat. You know, they've got their problems, but as sort of Nico said, they're at least a united squad. It's perhaps not a bad thing that they're. You know, I've lost a couple of big name stars because they can really sort of gel together based around that. And I think uh, I think we're going to see a really good tournament from France. Yeah, I think you can hear me nodding. On what Pelle said. <laughs> okay, you think France can win? Yeah, surely. Um, Even without defense? Yeah. I mean, who's going to find them out? Podolski? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Joining us on the line to talk about England's hopes at the Euros is Sam Peoples of the People's Person. Sam, let's start off with a player from your club, Manchester United, um, and Marcus Rashford. Was it right for Hodgson to pick him, or do you think he would have been better off watching the tournament from home this summer? 
I think I'm probably in the minority that thinks I would rather see Rashford at home, just because, um, bearing in mind, 100 days ago, he hadn't played for Man United. And in that 100 days, he's scored on his debut, scored against Arsenal, scored on his Manchester debut, scored a Wildy against West Ham in the FA Cup quarters replay, and then scored on his England debut after three minutes, earned me £40 because I had £20 on him any time. So thanks, Marcus. But... Um, I just feel like he could do with the rest. He could do with... Um, I think the reason I'm sceptical is because I've seen what's happened with uh, teenagers with England. You look at Michael Owen, you look at uh, Theo Walcott, you look at Wayne Rooney, you're looking at players that were thrown in very, very early. Um, and it hasn't always worked out for them. But then you look at Rio Ferdinand, he was thrown in early and he excelled. So I think it's just me being slightly nervous, but you've got to be happy for the kids. I mean, he's going to be the youngest player at the Euros and... He is so exciting to watch. Which do you see him tending more towards? The, the sort of Michael Owen or the Rio Ferdinand? It's, it's far too early to tell, but Marcus Rashford is a bit like Anthony Martial in that I've never seen him phased so far. I've never seen him overawed by an occasion. Um, doesn't come much bigger than international football for your country. So this will be the biggest test for Marcus Rashford so far. And as long as he doesn't go there and sit on the bench like Theo Walcott did, uh, and just basically doesn't get any minutes. That will be a waste of time. And I personally think he's probably ahead of uh, Daniel Sturridge in the pecking order. I think Kane and Vardy are England's starting two strikers, and Wayne Rooney's going to play in midfield. So I do think Marcus Rashford will get some game time. And as you saw on his debut, he's, he is electrifying. He really is. Uh, you mentioned Vardy and Kane and I was just watching the match against Portugal the other day where Rooney played through the middle and Kane was forced out to the right and Vardy on the left. Is that the way you think they should set up? No. I think England have got a, a, have had a bad habit over years of playing players in the wrong positions. Uh, Paul Scholes out on the left mid to accommodate for Gerrard and Lampard is the one that always sticks in my mind. But Rooney, Rooney isn't good enough anymore for a team to be shifted to accommodate him. Previously, that he was he was guaranteed starter, and he, the team had to fit him in. That's not the case anymore. Not with England. Not with Man United. Um, Kane and Vardy should be starting up front. Nowhere else. That's where they played all year for their clubs, and they scored twenty plus goals each. Rooney hasn't scored twenty plus goals this season. Two players shouldn't be forced out of position to make him happy. Not at all. Uh, Sam, on Rooney, I mean, you look at his sort of status as as the, the captain of the team. We were just talking off air then about um, Schweinsteiger in Germany and whether he would be an automatic start once he regains fitness. Also, you can look at, I guess, Robbie Keane with, with Ireland. You know, not going to start for Ireland despite being the captain of the squad, if you will. Those coaches, the coaches of their team seem to have made a decision based on the best 11 that they have, whereas Hodgson seems to be doing the opposite just to sort of elbow Rooney in there somehow. Do you think that could be inevitably England's downfall? Uh, well, Roy Hodgson pretty much, he's quite surprised me with the, with the players he's taken to Euros because he's a pretty, um, let's be honest, he's a very straight manager. He, he likes his tradition. He likes Wayne Rooney. And we all thought, He's definitely going to take Andy Carroll. He's going to play some long ball football. But he hasn't. You know, He's taken the youngsters. He's taken what has to be one of the most exciting looking England teams on paper because there's so much, um, uh, there's so much to learn there. Like play, we don't know how Dele Alli is going to play there. We don't know how Kane's going to play there or, or Marcus Rashford. So there's a, there's a lot that nobody really knows about this England team that we're going to find out. 
Um, and I think Hodgson is going to stick with what he knows and use a bit of risk and gamble where he can. Whereas previously, he wouldn't have used any of that risk and gamble. So I don't know whether it will be England's downfall, but you definitely shouldn't shoehorn a player into a team just because of his name. Uh, United did that last year, Van Howe with Rooney, and it, it, it pissed off a lot of fans a lot of the time. And there's no point doing that at the Euros. You've only got three games. You've got to choose your best 11. Not very optimistic of you saying you've only got three games. Um, but, oh, well, um... <laughs> there's, there's, three, there's three games before, you know. Yeah, <laughs> no. you, you've, got, you've got me on that one, but I'm an England fan. <laughs> no, but I, I can kind of understand what Hodgson is doing with Rooney there because I think England have got the youngest squad of the entire Euros. Um, Rooney has so much experience. You know, he's, he's seen it all. Um, so, you know, I reckon him and in the middle of the park um, wouldn't make a lot of sense. Obviously, leaving Kane and Vardy um, up front in their natural positions. Um, but I think Rooney should get a slot somewhere um, somewhere in midfield. I, I do think if... The good thing about our squad this year is we've got goal scorers other than Wayne Rooney. If you're looking at all that since, what, maybe 2006 we had Owen. But 2010, 12, 14... All eyes were on Rooney to score goals for England. And when he didn't, England collapsed. They, they failed. Whereas now Rooney can drop a little bit deeper and we've got two prolific goal scorers who are in that squad. So it, it means that Rooney can Rooney can concentrate on other things in that team apart from just scoring goals. And maybe that's, that's how you're going to see the best of Wayne Rooney. And I'd love to. I mean, he hasn't really done it for England since 2004, which was a Euros. Maybe this is full circle for him and he's going to do it again this year. What about Hodgson's choices at centre-back? He's brought just three natural central defenders along, one of whom, Gary Cahill, is struggling with injury and another, John Stones, is struggling with form. How big a worry is that for England fans? It's, it's a bit weird because England always goes into a tournament with their defence looking quite good, but their attack looking quite bad. And it, I think it's refreshing-ish, I suppose. Probably the wrong word to use, but it's nice to see that our strengths in attack this year because we can't just sit back play the ball round defence and then hope for a goal. Um, I think you're looking, Chris Morlin's by some distance England's best centre-back after the, the year we've had. Um, and I think maybe not taking Phil Jagielka might have been a bit of a risk, but it's a risk he took. As I said, Hodgson took a risk. He could have easily not taken one of the attackers, maybe left Sturridge at home or somebody else and then taken an extra centre-back. But you've got Eric Dyer who can drop in if, need, if needed, but I don't think England's midfield can cope without Eric Dyer. I think he's pretty much the, the focal point of our midfield. Uh, I think England will get an injury. It's, it, it always happens. It's typical. Uh, whether it comes at centre-back or not is, remains to be seen, but it's definitely a risk that Hodgson's taken and it's, it's nice to see him taking a risk. Yeah, same one question. When I see England nowadays, I have a feeling they can cope with pressure much better than in the past. Um, is my observation right here? Because I don't watch them as often as... Well, you. <laughs> I don't. I, th I think this England team is extremely untested. I think you look at since uh, the World Cup, I think we've won every single game in qualifying, but I'm pretty sure we won most of the games leading up to the World Cup as well. So I don't really think you can, you can say too much from qualifying. And because it's such a young team, such a raw team with so many players who really haven't done it for their country before, you've got Danny Rose uh, at left back, you're going to have Eric Dyer in midfield. You're going to have Deli Ali starting in midfield. You're going to have um, Kane and Vardy, who have both never played for England in an international tournament up front. Um, it's a completely 
blank canvas, not, not completely blank canvas, you know, you're going to have Milner and Rooney and, and Smalling, and you're going to have the experience dotted in between that. But nobody knows what to expect from England. And, and uh, I would like to think that they can cope with more pressure. But as long as we don't get penalties, I think we've got a chance. Uh, one last question, Sam. Um, how far do you think England can go? Well, I really don't like the format of the Euros this year in that three out of four teams qualify. Uh, so I, I definitely think we'll make it into the knockout rounds. Um, but it, de- it depends on the draw, I think. Uh, it depends on um, on how England are playing because, we've had, as I said, we've got goal scorers in that team. Our strength is not in defence. We shouldn't be winning these games 1-0. We should be winning these games 3-2 or 3-1. We should be concentrating on goals, goals, goals and trying to keep it tight at back. I don't think Roy Hodgson will do that, but that's how I want England to play because we always go a bit pragmatic at these competitions and you end up having really dull dull nil-nils or a a scraping one-nil win. Uh, I'm going to go quarterfinals because I think that's pretty much where England end up and that's where we face Germany and that's where we get really pissed off and we get knocked out of the tournament. But let's let's hope for something further. Obviously, we haven't been to a semi-final since um, 96, I don't think. Um, so it's been a long time since we've got anywhere near winning a tournament. So I'm not going to say England are going to win it, but sod it. I mean, the expectations are different this year. The, the expectations have been re- replaced by a genuine excitement about what could be the beginning of a new look England side. And hopefully they can start off by getting to at least the semis. But I'm going to go quarters. Uh, that was Sam People from the People's Person. Of course, Sam did not mention that the group contains Wales, Slovakia and Russia. Tough group, Paddy? No, it's probably one of the easier ones, I would say. Looking for that Russian squad, there's some good players in there. Very experienced, but a little bit like the Ukraine. Um, it's probably bereft of a few genuine world-class stars. The other two, of course, Wales, of course, have a world-class star in Bale, but it falls away a little bit after him and Ramsey, and I think Slovakia are probably just going to be there to make up the numbers in the end. Okay, there's one thing I just want, point I want to make about the England side. Normally, coming from an Irish background, you tend not to like England especially when it comes to sport. But this side is actually likeable. It's sort of odd. I, it, I feel I'm so divided over this. I had a thought. Is it because, I mean, when Sam was mentioning the players that were unknown but exciting, generally all of them, apart from Vardy, are Tottenham players. Which makes everybody, yeah, which makes them a bit more likeable. A bit more, well, for certain elements. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Tottenham have, have really gone about building an English, an exciting young English core, and it's being reflected in the uh, in the England squad now. And you look at the the good Spain teams had good cores from either uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Germany, of course, from Bayern in particular. Um, maybe this Tottenham sort of generation is going to have an impact on I this think, England I, side. I think they're helped by the fact that they're young too, and they haven't done anything too odious sure. just yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I want to make one point, is that uh, when I watch England, I feel they have got way more chemistry than they usually had in all those tournaments. They had so many individuals. I still remember the BBC panel, you know, at the World Cup defeat against Germany, talk <laughs> like, oh, we have, on paper, our players are way better than, than Germany's, like, like for like. And so on, then they got beaten, you know, and I really enjoyed it. I think I watched it like 10 times or so, just, you know, for my own, own amusement. But my point is, England, you know, might have not the best team in the Euros, but they have very good chemistry and that might be a change. So for me, they are the dark horse to go to the semis. I totally agree. First of all, I watched that panel uh, just last (laughs) week and laughed my head off in the office about Alan Hansen and (laughs) and Shearer and so on. 
Um, was didn't that lineup contain like Sean Wright Phillips or something? And they were saying like, oh, you know, he's just as good as us. Well, they would say something. like uh, about one Germany player would make it into a, a combined eleven or something. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but but anyway, I I, I think um, this time finally it's not about the names. Um, it is about um, the, the chemistry or sort of the sum of the parts, and I the think team, England yeah. England have a um, have a great chance, and I'm really scared um, that um, that they might make it um, through as the dark horse, really to actually yeah. to win it. You know, first if, if the draw is fine, but actually I'm scared, but also a bit excited because I like I like the team. I really like Hodgson as well. You know, you're sort of the nice uncle from next door. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited as to how it's going to pan out. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Paddy, Casper, Stefan, Nico, Sam and our producer Damien. Go to iTunes, let us know what you think of the podcast, subscribe to the podcast and while you're there you might as well download the OneFootball app too. You can also hit us up on Twitter, Facebook and SoundCloud at OneFootball and we'll be back later in the week for a look at groups D, E and F. Thanks for listening.